are you actually really making a change if you just jump into a system that's been running the same way for 30 years? Is there any type of real change that you can make in that space? Maybe, but if you just invested in or just like bet on yourself for a couple of years and tried to make sense of that and tried to figure it out, do you think that you can make more change? Is it worth it long term? This is the Longest Stride Podcast. Join us as we connect the boroughs of the GTA running community one stride at a time. Hey, this is Jonathan. And I'm Dre. And this is the Longest Stride Podcast. Trey, I'm super excited to talk to uh, to today's guest. This is probably the first time since we're recording. It's been just a, over a month where multiple, multiple, multiple people say you have to get this guest on <laughs> on the show. And uh, every every time uh, we try to connect, he is he's really busy. And I think it's a testament to you know all the all the things that are happening. Um, with you know, you know all the programs he's working in, his like the work he's doing, his personal life, all this stuff comes, you know, it's going to come together. We're going to share a lot of, about that, and uh, I think people are going to be really amped about you know this next guest because I know I am. I hope you are too, Dre. Yeah, I'm super excited. <laughs> Let's. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it over to you, please. Yeah, the key word is connect right there, right? I think ultimately, yes. um, this is where I introduce the founder of uh, the Kickback Connect. Um, it's a youth-led organization that helps under, underserved youth um, in the Toronto community and around. Um, they mobilize a team that has a unique approach on how they empower youth um, through art and sport um, and like non-traditional experiences, um, educational experiences. I think with their hands-on approach, it's um, helped them identify these undeserved um, you know, youth that needs the help. And that carries through because there are meaningful interactions. Um, yep. All this, why uh, our guest is actually um, part of our creative agency uh, called Tier Zero. Um, and with that being said, we welcome uh, Jamal Berger um, onto the podcast. Welcome. Ah, guys, thank you for having me. Um, very happy to hear that I've been requested a few times and uh, more happy to be having a conversation with you today. Finally, we, we made we made a connect. <laughs> Facts, yeah. Yeah, we made a connect. Yeah, we have to we have to like dig it up. I know we have to call a few people. Um, yeah, we'll jump right into it because you know, um, I think obviously there's different facets on um what you do. So, uh, Jonathan and I obviously we come up with our questions and we're trying to dive into the community. Um, from our perspective, we come from a, a running kind of approach, but I feel like what um, you'll uh, lead us into, there's um, these other components on how can we uh, give back and connect and then your experiences. So the, the first ex um, actual question I, I do have for you is um, what has your um, experience growing up in Toronto uh, has been like? Um, you know, to, that led you to where you are today? Uh, well, I've been downtown Toronto my whole life. I mean, growing up in the Regent Park area, um, the interesting part about it is that you're downtown. Yeah. Um, and just being downtown, you have access to everything. So as far back as I remember, um, 
from like the age of 11 or 12, I was just biking, riding around, seeing what the Eaton Center looked like and stuff like that. Just curious uh, in terms of what the city had to offer. Um, growing up in Toronto, um, obviously, um, one of the innate skills that comes with that is, you know, just being super open-minded to culture. Um, yep. the, the variability in terms of like, you know, um, cultures, ethnicities, and, and, and so forth. So for me, growing up here, I love basketball. Um, I love, you know, meeting new people from new cultures. Um, and I just, I just love the access that I had in terms of just being able to like really just find my space and, and, and just venture off and in and around the downtown area growing up. I'm like, mm. I still live downtown and I love, I love the sound like without noise is weird to me. Um, I don't need like that quiet that a lot of people will mention to me, but for me, just like my whole life is just go, 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 go. That's, that's what, that's what Toronto has been like for me. Yeah. So that's, and I, I grew up in, I grew up in, in Brooklyn and uh, it was very similar. And then I moved to Toronto and it felt, it was such an easy transition and it doesn't matter scale, no scale, the, the culture, just the, the diversity. It just, um, it was such a natural fit. Like of all the places I think you could live in the world coming from like New York city. Um, and I know people don't always love the comparisons, but um, Toronto has those vibes yeah. um, again, not the scale, but has those vibes, the multicultural, just, it just those, those, good time vibe. So I, I agree. Like I've been here 13 years and it's been, uh, it's been, it's been absolutely amazing living in this city. So, you know, you, you talk about kind of what that's all about. Like I, I'm wondering how, knowing the person you are today. And I think a lot of people that do know you and the reason why we have you on here is the work you do and the charitable philanthropic stuff. Like what was it like when you were younger? Did you show that part of who you are now when you were younger did that come out or is that something that like took time like to 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 build that skill to be honest um if i were to kind of speak to what kind of kid i was you know in the back of my mind um i always wanted the things that i felt like i never had growing up um whether that striving to you know um get married or just be successful in general um have a family um, those are like the, the innate, um, things that I kind of had in the back of my mind, you know, mm -hmm. growing up here, everyone has like a hoop dream. Um, I can relate to a lot of the kids that I'm helping today. Um, because I feel like a lot of us are sharing that same, or I'm, sh I've, I've experienced what they're experiencing now. Um, so the best way to just kind of describe my mentality growing up is just like by any means, like some way, shape or form, I need to become successful. And, you know, when you have that mentality, um, it leads you in various directions. Some days it's school, some days it's, oh, well, what can I get my hands on today so I can, I can get what I need um, to, to, to get these shoes or to, or to, like, be able to buy my lunch for the next week or to, to buy a new uniform because I can't tell my mom that, like, my pants ripped again. So, mm -hmm. like, that will by, by any means necessary. Um, of course, it led me to, to get work when I could, but if I wasn't working, I would just try to do whatever I could. And I think, um, you know, 
without getting too into in depth into what that encompassed um for me getting to the getting to this age where i realized like all right now it's time to go to university and um quote unquote become successful because the only thing that made sense was was sports but i knew i wasn't going to play sports professionally so I, I attached myself to kinesiology, thinking that if I went to UFT and studied kinesiology, that would solve all my problems. I'd become a physiotherapist. I'd make money, whatever. But uh, getting there, um, yeah, just I was good in school. But by the third year, um, for the first time in my life, like I failed something. And uh, it just woke me up and helped me realize that, you know, school wasn't a priority. Um but I still wanted to be successful. So for me, it kind of led me to take a, a different path. And that's what kind of um, introduced or reintroduced photography to me, but on a more serious tip. I feel like I'd always interested me, um, but I never really took it seriously until that point when I was just reconsidering everything um, right around the time I finished my third year of university. And uh, for me, I don't ever really think I thought about giving back. I was more concerned with my own family or the perspective of a future family. But when somebody bought me a camera to help get me started, um, cause I got a camera by working with livestock. They bought me a camera and I told them I'd work for a year for free. I sent like this long proposal explaining why. And, and that, that comes from that by any means necessary kind of mentality of I, I've had since I was a kid. Like I've been working since I was 12. Like I always was doing something. So like um, for me, it's just like, I can't wait and save up for this camera. I'd rather just get this camera and work a year for free. Like that makes more sense to me than just trying to like, you know, save this money. Cause I also don't know how to save money. That was never taught to me in school. So mm -hmm. uh, for me, got the camera. And then a year later, you know, there was a huge shift in my productivity, um, my experiences, my access. And I, I personally, you know, just pulled them, the person who bought me the camera to the side and I just told them. You know, like you, you, you literally changed my life. You, you, wow. you put me in a space that I would have never been if it wasn't for you. Mm -hmm. He just, just kind of said, well, well, just make sure when you can give back, you give back. And I just, wow. I just, I just hopped on my bike and, and biked home. And, uh, I think it was from that point on. And for me, that was around the age of 21. Yeah, probably like 21. And then I started to kick back. Well, I had the idea to start the kickback right before turning 23. Um, so obviously those thoughts had to marinate, but um, they were there. And he basically, he, he just reminded me and put me in the place that I needed to be put in to remember that, like, you know, like as, as amazing as this thing is of being able to travel and take photos and meet great people and be introduced to things, I need to like pay close attention to everything that's going on because this is this I'm I was just so hyper aware to everything I was experiencing because it was so incredible and so beyond my imagination because the whole time I was in these situations whether it be in Japan or Cleveland or or LA or Paris I was just like I why did nobody tell me this in school nobody ever wow. brought up that I could become successful with a camera in school even though I vividly remember sitting in a desk interested in media at 12 and my teacher told me I had to put that book away because it wasn't a novel, right? Mm. Um, it wow. just made me reconsider the way teachers approach working with kids in communities such as the one that I grew up in. And I think that they're so concerned with the idea of us staying on track that they forget to acknowledge the things that we just genuinely have a passion for. 
right? So they're more, they take more of a fear-based approach in neighborhoods where things can go wrong because you want to just make sure that we avoid that. And when you put all the energy there, you don't really have the, the time to just, you know, love and encourage um, the kids sitting in front of you. So I don't necessarily blame my teachers for anything, but I do think that there was so much that occupied their minds already when it came to looking at me as a kid or any of these kids now um, that they didn't have the capacity to just be like, you, you, you must really like, you know, tapping your pencil. Have you ever played the drums? Like, I don't know. I'm using that as an example, yeah. but there's just, there's just so much going on that it's hard to, to see what these kids love to do. So for me, um, the sneaker um, kind of just, I don't know if I answer this now, but like. No, 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 no. You're no good. You gave us a lot to, no, no. It's, this is amazing, Jamal, because it gives us a lot of context about, yes. you know, and I asked the question, right? Like, tell me about like how I was growing up and you painted a fantastic picture i'd say like a masterpiece yeah i just like, kind of like picturing the whole thing because it's connecting so much right it's all yep. connected yep. right yeah. so 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 my my thinking is there's a lot he first to unpack here i i totally like what you're saying about teachers and yes. stuff like that like this there's a lot that we can talk about like how do you tap into um you know the creativity and stuff like that and i i'd be very interested in, in having dialogues with you know teachers and uh, and others on on that, but let, let's put that put aside for one second because I think some of the other things you know you talked about the photography and kind of um, I'd, I'd say just photography. So like even kids are younger, and we we spoke to some folks already, you know, people on folks people on the podcast already, uh, and you know when they were younger they they ran track and stuff like that. It's a lot outlet for them. Like we spoke to Lindsay about that, and to, with her, it's you know it was just that like unbridled love that like passion for running and just you know carefree running and it was something she did in school that just you know she didn't say this but it's like as a kid it just really makes you feel alive and connected to something for you it sounds like that's what photography was i mean it was a little later on mm -hmm. when you when you get the camera but like that was when it kind of sparked it, you know the creativity and also connect started connecting dots for you on how things kind of work um so there's a lot in there and that messaging that you just gave us which i think is is really amazing um but it, yeah it sounds like for you it wasn't about you know sports and and ball and oh, running yeah. and stuff like that mm -hmm. it was about um photography that that started it for you yeah even even to like to that point like i knew that I think I knew as early as possible when I was trying to read those books in school, mm -hmm. I had this vague idea that um, I could be um, in the sports space without being in the NBA, right? I just had this idea yeah, in my head. And, you know, like, it's crazy now that, like, I'm friends with him, but I always tell Cabby, like, yo, when I was 12 years old, I used to watch you on TV. Wow. And I used to be like, this guy is in a car with Kobe Bryant just laughing. Yeah, you know? and he, he's not the player that 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 gave me something to look towards you know um that was that was my idea of what i wanted to do at that point in time because for me i like to make jokes like i was the i was the person in class making everyone laugh so in my head if i could make everyone laugh and i love playing basketball then i could make my favorite basketball player laugh if i was given the chance so that that's what made sense to me when i was in grade 7 and grade 8 and like, 
it's crazy because I don't think that that would have been possible if it was if it was anyone else. I just felt like I could relate to him. I I saw somebody doing that that looked like me. Yes, and, and, and for me that that meant the world. And I I it's it's crazy because um, we all we all strive to be what we know or what we see as possible based on what we can relate to. And you know this this idea of becoming a professional basketball player is a very popular choice amongst you know uh, young black men because you see their faces, you see what they get paid, and you see the lifestyle that comes with that. Yeah, and it's it's a generally appealing. It's a generally appeal. It genuinely it genuinely appeals to any kid that wants to take care of their family. They don't know what the back end looks like, but front facing that just sounds like the dream. Mm-hmm. And it could be, but I think like, you know, um, and that's the space that I try to occupy now is like really getting kids to think about what else do they like or what else, not to sway them away from something, no. but, to give, but to give them something to look into while they're playing or while yeah. you can't play basketball 12 hours a day, you know, you're going to play for like three, four hours. You got another six hours to, you know, open-minded to something else. So mm. who are you as a person, you know, and how does that apply or how can you connect that to this, this game you love, whether it be basketball, running, whatever. Um, so the kickback um, tries to do that. And for me, the sneakers um, kind of came into play because being a photographer and being granted all these opportunities, you know, I'd come home and uh, a brand would send me a pair of sneakers and when I when I talk back to the that whole by any by any means necessary mentality, you know, like when you had to go to high school and it was time to go to school wearing all black shoes, and the ones that your mom could afford was like a fifty dollar pair that you had no intention of wearing. You wanted the hundred fifty dollar pair of shoe. What are you gonna do? Like you might go out and try to take something or like take a bike or something or do that. And I used to do that with my friends. We used to steal stuff so that we'd have money to buy sneakers. And uh, I just found it really ironic and puzzling to be like, but now I'm here and now you're sending me sneakers. Like, this, <laughs> yeah, it's it backwards, make, right? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So like, you know, um, because my friends that I was doing that with ended up getting in a lot more trouble. I feel like if there was 10 of us, I'm the only one who didn't actually fall into the category of a lot of things that happens to young black men. Right. Um, and, and I can go through the alphabet and say, yep, that's happened. Yep, that's happened. Yep, that's happened. It's, it's, and some of it's happened to me too. I've gotten in trouble with that kind of stuff. And um, it's, for me, it was just crazy that, like, why don't we just give these to the kids? You know, like, I was, yeah. getting, I was getting bored of like this whole idea of like having a social media following and getting like, thousands of likes. Like, to me, it didn't mean shit. Like, the thing that mattered most to me was the connections and the people. So I wanted to like leverage my following or the the appeal I had from a social perspective to encourage people like, yo, we're getting so many free, free pairs of sneakers. You know what kids go through to get these? Like yeah. drop them off to me and I'll hand them out this summer. And we kind of gave the sneakers away, but I felt like they got sneakers and that's good. But like, what if I'm encouraging? Because now they're like, oh, I got this new pair of sneakers, but I don't got the hoodie to match it. You know what I mean? So I'm always I'm always thinking of every possible scenario and it's a blessing and a curse for me. But um yeah, from there I was just like, well, if we're gonna give out sneakers, I need to attach a lesson to it. Or I need to um hold some sort of accountability with that. And uh 
from there, I'm just, for me, I was like, okay, well, now let me take the sneaker and use it as a yep. means to initiate common, commonplace or a level of understanding to let these kids know that, like, we made sure you got a good pair of sneakers so it doesn't feel like a hand-me-down, but it feels more like a form of acknowledgement. Um, mm-hmm. And in doing so, hopefully that can just break the ice in terms of the conversation we're able to have that day. Because I'm not able to be there every day and to, and to you know, subscribe to this, this, like, city's definition of giving back to your city, of just, like, taking a city job and just being there. Yeah, for me, it just kind of became the means to initiating conversation, breaking down walls, and showing them that we speak a common language. Take me back, take me back to the beginning. What what does day one of kickback look like? Because obviously you started it, but uh for me the novice, okay, cool. I was getting um uh you know swag from different brands because obviously you have a following, but then you're like, okay, how can I convert this into now giving it to um uh, uh, kids that don't have it and then obviously see a way out what does the day one on kickback look like was that how did that get started well for day one that happened um you know there was like 20 to 30 days of just riding around the city collecting sneakers from all the friends i could dope um so i just biking around you know uh, the same store that bought me my camera i asked if i could do the sneaker drive with them that's awesome they, they said yes and that was my way of showing the owner too that like I'm committed to giving back and I really appreciated it. Um, nice. But from there, like the day one, just like literally back in the neighborhood I grew up in, uh, we gave out like 150 pairs of sneakers. And uh, yeah, by the end of it, I was so happy, so overwhelmed. And I'm like, I need to do this again. That's but great. Like, that, that innate sense of fear kicked in. Like, how can I make this better? Mm-hmm. I had to sit down and really think, well, how could I improve? And uh, from there, just like, well, kids got the sneakers and they didn't learn anything. So, well, the next time I do this, I need to attach some type of learning lesson to it. Yeah. And, um, it took me another year till I did something. So my, my second event with the kickback happened a year later, but I had help this time. And it allowed me to create like a worksheet. Um, we still handed out sneakers. We still gave out about 100 pairs. Um, but we handed, we did worksheets and that mattered a lot to me because it wasn't even about like, on some homework, like on a homework tip. Yeah. But it was like goal setting and the importance of goal setting and setting our intentions. And uh, the only problem with that was then the kids felt like it was schoolwork Uh uh, because they just see paper as schoolwork. Anyways, for me, then it was just like, okay, well, how do we make this fun? Um, Then the next thing that happened was like, well, people, nobody in Toronto really messes with what you do until you do it outside of Toronto. So let's go. That's the line right there. Let's go do this. Let's go do this in Panama. We got some connections. I talked to this guy like five months ago. He said he would do it if I wanted to, and I shook on it. So it has to happen. So we went to Panama, came back. Everyone's like, wow, you guys are really doing something. <laughs> we really only did a few things. Anyways, uh, from there, uh, it really sunk in that the kickback could be something uh, because at first I thought it could only be based on when we had sneakers. Gotcha. So for me, that was a. Uh, uh, I guess like a psychological barrier that I had to leap over. Yeah. But I got I got pulled out to Phoenix to do a photo shoot with Paul George. Um and uh my friends wanted to run an event while I was away. And just seeing them run an event while I was gone, just like wow, okay. Um we can do something. And they literally just gave out free haircuts and their 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 spin on it was like instilling confidence in doing that free of charge. And for me it's like we literally were doing the same thing with the sneakers. We just used different verbiage. Gotcha. Um, 
So I was like, oh, well, we can do stuff like that then, you know? And then from there, it's like footwear, socks. Let's do a sock drive. Let's, let's get kids to give out socks this, this winter so that they can see what it feels like to give back. And hopefully they want to, you know, um, reciprocate that feeling that we give them with others. And once they see what that feels like, they can do so themselves um, a lot more frequently than I'd be, have the capacity because I still need to do my work. Um, and then it, everything from there is literally just a, a snowball. Like from 2018 onwards, like the only goal we've ever had was to do something at least once a month. And I think today, like, you know, this morning I was stressed out because like, I need to get like 12 things off like in the next like 20 days or something. So it's just like, oh, wow. it just, it's just it's interesting how time compiles and, you know, uh, expo- exponential growth occurs yep. just based on your investment in the idea you had from the start. Yeah, as you said, it took a year for you to even come out again and do something. But I love the the conduit. The sneakers started it, but at the end of it, as you said, you just needed something. So the other bit was, you know, doing the haircuts. You weren't even there, but you know, uh, your team and friends took on the initiative. I was like, yeah, we actually just want to do something. Yeah, it had nothing to do with just aligning with getting free sneakers. And the fact that you did a worksheet at the second one, uh, um. You wanted it to go further than just like, hey, here you go, see you later kind of scenario. It would have been, as you said, you're not there all the time. So you wanted these kids to kind of get something from it um, that would last them long term. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, that it's super, super impressive how you started that and kind of saw where it's going. But it, it worked out in the sense of every part of your your work as in artists and what you believe in came together to this charity, every single thing. You know what? This has been yeah. This is great. So Jamal, um, that that's a really good point too, Dre. And what I um what I what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, there are races that do that have charitable components to it. There are different events that have charitable components to it. But those events are like a couple times a year, maybe tops, maybe three. I don't know. Right? Seems like you guys are doing things all the time. So how do you? Well, it's kind of a two-part question. One of my things I'm trying to figure out is, you know, you must have a really good team because how do you sustain this? But my my I think the most important question is, how do you, like, how does it, how are you, and no other way to put this, Jamal, but how is it that you guys are so successful doing what you're doing where I feel like others could not do it at the scale or, you know, can't do it as much because you won't get as much um, feedback and response, but it seems like you guys are just growing and growing and growing. And it's almost like, you know, the, the ideas keep flowing and you're just, you're going to be successful at whatever you do. So, so I know it's kind of two questions in it, Jamal, but I'm very curious about your process and how it is that you guys are sustaining this and getting uh, your, your success. Well, I think first off um, a point to be made is If you believe in something, you have to believe in it enough to, you know, empty your pockets. Um, So that's the first thing I would say. Like, literally, like, I would say up until at least the end of 2018, even partway through 2019, like, I'll just, and to this day, I still pay for my own film just because, like, that's my that's my preferred choice but if i wanted to be responsible and adhere by like the community guidelines i'd probably be shooting digital 
just to like you know save money but like I like that approach better and it helps me creatively so I stick to it and I know that like that's kind of like that'd be lavish in the in the eyes of a of a charity so that's something that to this day I still bite myself and I have no problem with that but just up front like I would just like that trip to Panama like whatever it took for us to make that happen I was all in whatever it took for us to make sure that we could uh do event c d e f whatever i was all in and i think just setting that setting that standard setting that precedent showed people that like i was i really believed in this and this wasn't just like this cool idea for me like it was it was everything and i think for me that's just how important lifestyle is and and how much it 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 encompasses what you're able to accomplish because for me like i I didn't go out. I didn't spend no money on like anything outside of what I believe in. So like the only time I spend money is if like it's on tier zero, if it's on the kickback or if it's like, finally I get a moment to go travel and like, you know, just take pictures and learn like my everyday, like I'm just trying to invest into the things that I believe in. And uh, for me, just like how to make this work at this point, like, Honestly, just get putting myself and and my people and my friends around me in a space where it's just like, well, how are we going to come out of this better and do the next thing better and find out how we can be better for the next thing? Like, it's just natural at this point. It, it almost feels natural just based on our thought process in relation to what we do. Uh, but like, and like you said, um, this is the only reason we've gotten so much bigger is because you know there was a there was a key moment last year where like I made this promise to a Christian I said I can't promise you no like salary or anything but I could promise you by the end of the year you wouldn't spend a dollar you know um some way somehow I'll make sure that that happens so I didn't promise him a salary but I did promise that we'd find a way to cover any cost that he incurred each month from that point on you know, and it's just like some people make a lot of money, but spend that much money too. So in my opinion, it's no different. We just kind of have to responsibly scale ourselves. And even too, for me, like, did I know what that meant? No, I didn't. But he had a, a stronger sense of, you know, um, being being sensible budget-wise and stuff. And, you know, just surrounding yourself with that kind of, that kind of energy and just like in general, that principle of you are who you surround yourself with. Like I showed him that there's, creative alternatives to the the path that like he was about to take um you know working for the city of toronto and getting these progressive like promotions and whatnot and the stability and all of this stuff but just feeling unfulfilled um for me it's just like having no stability whatsoever just like ready to just do any idea i don't care what we have to do to make it happen like he started checking me on like yo that's a bit too much or for me i'll start checking him like yo, you, you're saying that you don't think that it's realistic, but if we really wanted to do it, could we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I'm like, okay, so then let's do it. You know what I mean? So we just we just started challenging each other in like spaces that um, were out of our comfort zones and that kind of brought us together. And there was a huge shift there. Um, and now I think, especially like in the last uh, six to eight months or or even a year, um, the the biggest shift has just been like everyone seeing what we're doing and wanting to take part, um, 
and just enabling and letting people jump in and help us. Like for me, um, another component to it is like tier zero, like my friends do and Charlie, like they're just down to jump up and, and help and do work, even though that they'd normally get paid for that stuff, they come in and do it for free. And that's just like, well, how do you guys do create all of this great stuff? It's just that like my best friends are just very talented. Um, and they, they see how much I believe in it. So they, and they see how I carry myself to make those things happen that, you know, we've kind of also scraped, subscribed to that same approach of just like being responsible and making sure that we have the, the time to work on the things that we believe in. Um, and then, yeah, outside of that now, it's just, it's just growing, you know, like Quentin, uh, he taught me something super important um, and I'm learning and I'm still learning that just because you're great at one thing doesn't mean you're as good of a teacher. So for me now, like I want to learn how to be a better teacher and just figure out how, you know, some of the things that people see me doing that they think is so cool that like for me, it's like, I wish I didn't have to do this no more so I could focus on that. I'm trying to like transition out of certain responsibilities so that more youth can jump in and feel a sense of uh, responsibility within the kickback so that they can grow and develop and I can work more closely with them more often because some people think to get better, you just have to run faster and work harder and just pick up more things and do more things. But that's going to lead to burnout, um, in my opinion. So for me, it's just like, well, how can I take a step back, look at what I'm doing and figure out how other people can take on these roles so that they could learn how to do it at the level that I was doing it at or that Christian was doing it at or that Dew was doing it at so that we can do other things, you know? Yeah, and it, it's interesting because um, this is a, this brought it together because I any when you're enable when you're able to enable others to do the things you're doing, as you said, it grows exponentially because exponentially because the fact that you've taught someone else to kind of uh, you know take the reins too and kind of go off and do their own thing, it it makes you you know free a little more freedom to do that as well to you know venture into other things as well or just kind of like make it that much larger um one thing that yeah. I, as you mentioned there about like the fact that you know quentin kind of like let you know that abe hey, uh sometimes you just have to be able to teach others to do it um there are a lot of charities that don't have a, a way to access or identify the youth that are in need what what's interesting to me and jonathan is uh jonathan and i is the fact that you were able to make the real connection and then make it authentic to access these youth. So my question to you is how would you be able, how did you do it to identify the youth that were in need and, and, and then make that connection? Because that's the hard part for a big brand, let's say, or somebody that is coming from just an actual company. They have no idea how to access these youth that needs it. Yeah. Well, I think these big charities or these big companies need to realize and understand that, there's a skill set they, that they have, but there's also that skill set they have to set up the charity and brand the charity and do all those, do all the paperwork and just legitimize themselves. Yeah. There are people that don't know how to do that, but they genuinely want to help have relationships with the families or the kids might call them uncle, even though they have no relation. It's just like, mm. there's a, there's a certain type of intelligence that like the everyday community workers have that they've built and trained. It's almost like this thing because they do it so frequently, they're just so amazing at what they do 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that they're given the credit for that, especially from the from a city perspective. Um, I just feel like, you know, people who work in communities have a certain type of intelligence that is highly undervalued um, on paper in terms of like how they're compensated and how they're how they um, benefit the city as a whole. So for me, when we do events, like as much as I would love to just say, like, look at me, guys, this is the actually, what am I saying? I would never love to do that. I would I would rather I would rather tap somebody in a community and say, like, what are your kids going through? What what do they need? What can we do with our access to help you? Because I know you know them best, and I don't want to come in here and tell the, tell all of these kids I know yes. how you're going to become successful. I just want to come in and say, you know what? This is what Fawad told me, and I'm doing my best job to help with that. Mm. I'm not coming in and saying, this is how you become successful. Do this, this, and that. Because then they're just going to, they're gonna they're gonna shut me out. And and I can say that and I and I truly believe that because I've been in different situations where like I've seen different versions of what people consider charity and how they walk away from that. And I, I've seen how kids have interpreted it. I've I remember how I've interpreted it. And for me it's just like I have this filter, like this ingrained filter that's just like, nah, there's no way. Or like has to happen like this like for me to explain it honestly it's just like you just have to like be able to pay credit where credit is due and the 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 community workers that are that are in the communities daily are the real heroes i think like in my opinion like i'm almost just like this like liaison or middleman that is trying to bridge bridge the gap between these brands or these 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 people who really want to make a impact in the community but don't really know how to the same way that community worker who's there every day um is is um able to be a liaison between me and kids from a community that i've never been to but would love to help and i just need to acknowledge them and appreciate that and sometimes people will will appreciate us and and be like oh what you're doing is so amazing but it's it's just it's just a different step along the way I think community workers are doing this the same thing, if not more. I just I just feel like I'm incorporating I'm incorporating photography, dudes incorporating video, tier zeros incorporating just like, you know, overarching strategy. Um and the more you know in one area, the less you know in another. And it's your job to acknowledge and be humble about those things so that you can empower those who have those skill sets to lead the way when the time is right. Jamal, I was sitting. I was going to sit on this question because I, I wanted to bring it up, kind of as we we're going through this. But um, listening to you to you speak and talk about just just in general, just how your 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 approach and and talking about others. This is one of the reasons why we were asking a question earlier about kind of how how you were growing growing up because um, it, you're not. So you're definitely a community leader. There's no question about that. What I what I think is is separating you from a lot of community leaders is you're raising you're you're not raising you're inspiring others to be leaders themselves where they maybe felt like I don't know how I can mm-hmm. do this. So you know the stories you're telling before, 
you know, the, um, you know, your friends at tier zero and your friend about, you know, the ideas about, you know, um, when you talked about, you know, you, I promise you, you know, you know, spend, spend a penny or down, whatever yeah. um, you're saying earlier, but, but listening to what you're saying is it's really remarkable because you're not just leading people from top up. You're just saying what you're doing is you're saying, I can't do this alone. So I am going to, help you to see that you have innate leadership qualities and I'm going to help you tap into it and also become a leader. I probably butchered that and didn't explain it properly, but like, it's just, I feel inspired listening to you speak. And I don't know that I can do half of the things that you accomplish and similar conversation we had with Quentin, but there isn't like the, you know, this is about Jamal, you know, it's about, this is about the community, the people that want to help me, the people that, you know, are, you know, are ready to, to, to roll up their sleeves. Right. Um, and, and not just do the work, but also become leaders themselves. That's, that's the thing about this that is absolutely like remarkable. So when I, again, said to you before, how are you able to do this? Well, it's kind of becoming clear because you're empowering people to become leaders and to be able to build community along with you, which is something I think is absolutely remarkable. Where did that come from, Jamal? I have no idea. Mm. I don't know. I just, I think that um, the same way growing up, you just kind of want to break rules in class or break rules at home. Like Mm -hmm. I just want to break rules in, in, in terms of like, what is charity? You know, what is just what is everything like what like should should you really accept? Are you actually really making a change if you just jump into a system that's been running the same way for 30 years? Is there any type of real change that you can make in that space? Maybe. But if you just invested in or just like bet on yourself for a couple of years, and tried to make sense of that and tried to figure it out. Do you think that you can make more change? Is it worth it long term? Like those are like rules that I'm trying to challenge. Like for me, like I question this whole concept of of establishing ourselves as a charity, um, and just like um, being able to like give out like tax receipts through the kickback because there's pros and cons that come with you know turning yourselves into a charity. Like you have to be more strict with how you do things. Yeah. Um, you, if you say you're going to do this and this is how the money is going to be spent, then then that's the case. Um, I have to tell I have to tell the city of Toronto what I want to do next year now to get money next year. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know. Um, to me, that doesn't make any sense. And to me, if that was working or if that has worked, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in today. So, in my opinion, is like I want to break rules and say, well. Why depend on the city if like um, an individual or a company or a, or or an idea or an idea just believes in me as much as I believe in the idea or this 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 approach to changing changing perspectives? Um, and let's let me just bet on that. Let me see what happens. And I I think that the question really just becomes that I. I present everyone, I present everyone is just like, what's stopping you from doing what makes you happy? And the the answer oftentimes is just themselves. 
Like, mm-hmm. it's so funny. Like, I feel like I've, anyone that spends enough time with me has quit their job. <laughs> uh, that's interesting because um, it, it's one of those things that just like Jonathan said, oh, oh, um, just you speaking and so eloquent uh, brings it together where you just gave us the formula on how to even start something, you know, from scratch. We just got the formula from you. As you said, there is, you know, uh, the community worker that sees and have this tacit knowledge of everything that's happening to the youth that they're working with in that particular space. And you've challenged the convention on the, or the standard um, on what a charity should be. And interestingly enough is, you know, I understand that because there's a lot of bad actors is why they, the city or anyone that's doing a charity or organization, um, why there's rules to try and deviate from someone that's a bad actor. And then it's, it's harder for people to um, put monetary fund into it. And I, I could understand that. But as you said, you have to tell them a year in advance, but maybe you have an idea right now that you want to execute because, you know, the kid can't wait on it or the idea just is, is timely because people have to kind of, um, you know, you're actively doing things that are helping the community and not waiting on something on a calendar, you know, it's more, um, you know, tacit, you're in the community to be able to do that. Um, okay. So it's this, as Dali, our, our, our change our direction just for a little bit. So with Dewey and Charlie, I think, um, so did you guys, um, started tier zero together because you wanted a creative outlet apart from just the charity? Um, well, tier zero was an idea that do and I kind of brought to life just based on the fact that, uh, we wanted to work with our best friends mm-hmm. and Char- Charlie became that missing puzzle piece. Uh, when we like just randomly said, yo, let's go to Cuba together. And we realized that like we could all be best friends together. Gotcha. And then from there, like tier zero just was born off of these, this idea that like we could be successful together. And as we get jobs, we could look after each other. Yep. Um, so that was really just like the ethos and, um, virtue that kind of binded us together um but from there like yeah tier zeros this this operation that includes do myself charlie and tracy and also another uh individual name abdul um but we just we just want to find ways to like make sure that we can all be successful and we're all doing jobs that we enjoy that we love um and we're looking out for one another at all times and we're challenging each other and we're we're growing together um just 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 that and because we look out for each other like they see how much not even just to me but now like to all of us like how much the kickback means and what it represents you know like one of the biggest things that I would always try to do is just like okay well how many people are here that are already committed to the kickback how can I show my commitment back to them boom like you know um, you're from Boston. Well, we're gonna come to you and we're gonna do a kickback event there. Or like, oh, you're you're from the Philippines and like you've always wanted to do something there. Well, I'll make it a priority that the kickback makes something special happen in the Philippines, or this or that. Like, I always want to make people feel like it's as much theirs as it is my idea mm-hmm. because the only thing that ties me to it is the initial idea. After that, like it's the entire team that builds it up. It's not, it's not mine anymore. It's ours, you know? And that's that same piece about, you know, um, creating or inspiring other leaders uh, to believe in themselves. And and then the conversation that kind of comes from that is just like, well, if we legitimize the kickback and we show people that like, this is a, 
a real charity making real change um, in our on our own terms, um, it's going to come back and benefit tier zero. Um, and that's just like integrating everything. So for us, it's just like we almost see it as like this like this investment um, that's just going to present us more and more opportunities in the future. Yeah, we've seen that come full circle, eh, Jonathan? For sure, yeah. Now you're starting to get the attention of brands, yeah. right? Um, the work that you did with them. So you want to walk us through kind of Yeah, no, I had out? a conversation with um, Mike Krupika, uh, he from the Parkdale Roadrunners, and also um, working at Lululemon. And he was just telling me that they were trying to come up with uh, digital digital routes for the for the race and uh i said like you know our skill set is storytelling in in a video and photo so how can we do something in that space with this idea of like a of a postcard or a route and then from there like the idea was born and they they granted us a budget to you know make the video and uh they supported us and he went a step further and said would you be interested in a mural and it's just like oh yeah let's just let's just add that to the story let's add that to the to the narrative. And uh, yeah, I think that Lululemon video is a perfect example of one, from a, from a starting standpoint, uh, the brand side just trusting us to, to bring our vision to life. I'm super thankful for like, you know, Mike and, and, and everyone behind the scenes who helped us make that happen. But then on our side, it was just like, on for Tier Zero, we were accepting a lot of jobs coming up. And we're still coming up, but like, Jobs that we didn't want to do, but we needed to do to pay the rent, you know? So gotcha. we knew that like, if we legitimize a kickback, people would see that like our ideas are valuable and they and they should be able to give us the space to bring our ideas to life on a high level. So um, yeah, Lululemon is one of those first examples of like being able to pr- combine high production value with um, you know, community impact or setting a good example for the kids. Cause now the kids are like, Oh, what, like, how'd you do that? Or how'd you make this happen? Um, did it, and like, th- those are the question starts. That's how the dialogue begins. And, um, yeah, that's the, that's a special thing with that whole project for me. It was just like, those are moments where tier zero and the kickback coexisted seamlessly. And mm-hmm. it, that's how uh, that's how murals happen, Jamal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, right? And it, it it and and that's just like the you know the latest things uh, we've seen out because there have been work uh, you've done in the free space, um, in, uh, the Canon space itself with the kids as well. So it's not just uh, this campaign we're bringing it up only because it's so recent. And you know, Jonathan's seen the video. We all seen the video, and it. It, it was so like just a just a recognition of the local neighborhood and those kids just running through the neighborhood that tells so much of a story than it, it does anything else because that's not it, it should be common but we don't see that very commonly yeah no I'm, I'm on the same i'm on the same page as you and everything that's just been happening in the last especially this year when you really didn't know what was going to happen just just grateful man just grateful that like the kids are now in a space where they can genuinely see how much we love them because we're here so much more. Like if it wasn't for COVID, we'd be doing the kickback everywhere. Like 
last year to finish off the year we went to like puerto rico and new york in the span of like seven days you know and uh then we had plans to like go to the philippines and then brazil and then this and then that and finish like this global photo project like all of those things are being put on hold but uh the exciting part about it is that the foundation which is rooted here in toronto um is able to you know further establish itself so that we're growing on such a more solid base going forward and with that i mean like just seeing you know these these young great minds come out of come not out of the shadows but just come through the program and just be like jay i want to help or christian how can i contribute or do i want to learn video you know all of these kids really want it too and we've made it super accessible and now that now the now that the the main thing is just finding out how can we who have been doing it up to this point pass the torch to them so that they can do it now they can learn and grow and we can go and do the things that we want to do so that we can grow and that that um progression can continue And and I love the the whole part about the the camera and stuff like that. There is probably so many documented cases of nonprofits giving cameras, whether they be disposable cameras or cameras that they can like um, DSLRs that they can borrow, and just you know take the take them home. You know, go back to you know wherever it is, the inner cities, anywhere, right? Like wherever you live. Um, and shoot, and some of the stuff, the the output from that, the 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 images are mind boggling. They're so amazing, and this speaks back to what you said in the very beginning, right? Um, is is knowing like how does someone know what their creative outlet is? If I'm sorry, what they're what they're good at, or like yep. maybe creative outlet. If if no, if they don't have access to some of those things, right? So. You know what? How you're tying it all together with Tier Zero um, kickback and and everything else? It's it's really fascinating because you're, you know, it's not just a charitable thing. You're tapping into the creativity of uh, of these young minds, and I think it's it's amazing. Just like all the other um, um, agencies that are tapping in the same way with through through film or through through digital, right? I. I love it. Um, I I dabbled. I was when I was in New York City. I was a street photographer, and uh, I used to walk around with my um, DSLR. My dad gave me a Canon AE one, but I was he used to shoot film when we were kids and had a, a um, what do you call it, a dark room in our bathroom and stuff like that. But for me, it was digital because you know it was so easy to just you know instant gratification and i used to love just walking around pointing cameras in people's faces in new york and taking photos and and it 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 gave me access to like other people and other lives and other things happening around me Uh, and that was my creative outlet for a long time and and i absolutely loved it so it's amazing what what um photography can do to people uh, and for people it really is oh most definitely photography is like one of those special things that um just opens doors just opens doors wherever you are because you become you become this person 
where it's apparent that everyone knows that if you have a camera, you're inquiring, you're inquiring as a person, as a whole. So they kind of inquire back um, and it starts conversations. You know, I've met some of the best, some of my best friends now um, are just because they saw me with the camera. Um, and my even closer friends are like the ones that saw me with the camera and we were able to just like, you know, pick up a basketball and shoot around, uh, whether that be in Morocco or Cuba or, you know, anywhere. So it was just like those, those things are special. And then the craziest part about them is that those are youth too. And we want to help those youth and we let them know that they're a part of the kickback and like wherever they are, sometimes like they'll send me, they'll send me a picture of like them in a, like Marrakech, just wearing the shirt with their family at like an outing, and that that, that means that, that means awesome. the world to me. You know, the same thing goes for New York, or the same thing goes for, you know, Boston or Portland. Like just knowing that we have kids that believe in us everywhere, um, just because we believe in kids everywhere, it's just like I feel like we're just getting started, uh, and now we're just kind of working through the intricacies that come with you know, uh, growth. Yeah, so with that I mean said, I think it's not just um, you know, the intro I did where it says Toronto. It's worldwide, it's global. Um so with that being said, um what's next? What's next um for Jamal? What's next for Kickback? What next for Tier Zero? Uh, uh what's next? Hmm. Without giving away too much, because I, I know what well, campaigns work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm working with X right now, but it could be, you know, say you where you want to see the Kickback Connect go just beyond. Obviously, it's global right now, but, you know, uh, maybe it's a it's a vision where it, it's very. Yeah, no, I think I think uh, the best way to put it is that, you know, this time next year, one of the most important things is just like just naturally understanding how humans work. like. Sure, ideas come from, you know, pure intentions, but like my pure intentions as, you know, uh, a, a, a man in his mid-20s uh, is going to attract younger males, if anything, because it's just based on my experiences. Um, so for me, just understanding that like we're missing out on helping so many people by the ideas just mo- more, more or less coming from me. Um, Versus like, you know, bringing a a few, you know, young women into the mix from our program and letting them take the reins on some ideas and projects. Um, What's next is really just establishing that precedent that, you know, it's unintentional in the sense that, you know, the kickback right now might be a 70-30 split in terms of young boys and young girls. But like my goal is to make it 50-50 by this time next year. Um, and, I, and I feel fully confident in saying that. And not to mean that we're working with less boys, but it just means that we're working with just as many girls. Um, so there's that. The other part to it is just like st- establishing, I know balance will never, <laughs> balance is like one of those like lifelong journeys, but um, just finding a way to cement programming here um, so that we have something to return to um, as we step out and start to get back to travel once that becomes permissible. Um, I just want to make sure that we're able to um, change change lives here every day, the same way that these community leaders are. 
I want to be able to do that in some way, shape, or form, whether it's access, whether it's space, whether it's, I don't know, using opening a bookstore as an example. Um, just finding ways to always be present. We are present here, and it, it feels like that's the case because of COVID. They see us every day. They know we're here. But I know that changes uh, once the the borders open up again. So for me, one thing I never want to change going forward is letting the kids know that we're always here. Because we say it, but do we actually show it? Um, I could definitely pose that so my, my the question to myself if you asked me eight months ago, ten months ago. Um, but now um, I want to be able to say, yes, we're always here, no matter what. No matter what the scenario, um, we're always here. But also making sure that we stay stay true and committed to the fact that we're going to help kids around the world. And we want to help kids around the world not to take away from how we help kids here, but in actually in actuality, helping kids elsewhere is going to help kids even more here. Because when we help kids elsewhere, we want to we want to continue bringing kids from here there, or we want to bring the story back from Montreal to show kids that yo, there's actually hoods in Montreal. There's actually like you know danger and violence in Montreal. Like Toronto's not the only place with it. Because I think also too, every kid has their lens of relativity, and if you think that you're in the worst possible situation, you're going to victimize or play victim. You're going to more likely to, to take or assume that role. But if you realize like, yo, this is going on in Montreal too. This is going on in Vancouver. This is going on in New York. This is going on in Chicago. And in some places, it's a lot more heightened than it is here in Toronto. Then they realize that it's no longer a t- chance to play victim, but more so to assume a responsibility. So we bring back those stories and we share them. So that whether they actually came with us on the trip, which we've done, we brought kids to Portland, we brought kids to Puerto Rico, we brought kids to Chicago. Um, oh, wow. They also understand that um, it's it's time to stop making excuses and to start providing reasons, and and seeing the seeing why we need to be better and not be any less than we're supposed to be. I love it. So we didn't, so we didn't talk um, too much about running, and I I think that's fine. Um, the work, you know, Quentin's helping out a lot with that. We see kind of you know the connections he's making and getting kids active and stuff like that. The only question I want to, I do want to ask about the community and you know kickback and stuff like that is, like what help, like what help do you need from us? Like what do you need from like the running community? What do you need from you know, or maybe maybe you don't need anything at all. But like, I mean, people in general, donations is one thing. But like, how do we like mobilize to to help? Um, I think I think you? it's to that's the that's the thing. I get asked all the time, "How can I help? How can I help? How can I help?" And that's not an easy question to answer because one, if I'm getting asked that by someone I barely know, um, I don't really know what to say. Um, second to that is is like mm-hmm. I feel like that's a question that. Um, you know, you guys can uh, almost answer yourselves. Just like for me, that the simple answer is like you're great at running. You know, kids don't know what what running looks like or how how many opportunities could come from running. Um, and if you just come and run and and share those experiences and just be open and and showing kids that like you know healthy communication is possible, um, you're helping doing that, and you're still getting your running. You know, so. Um, we created the run club with the intention of it being a win-win for kids and adults. Uh, we wanted it to be a two-way conversation because 
as much as we think that the kids could benefit from relatable mentors, we also think that the adults could benefit from the kids because you are who you surround yourself with. And I feel like kids are the most intelligent people in the world. Um, as adults, we don't start something unless we know what it looks like at the end, nine times out of 10, maybe 95 times out of 100. Um, and kids, they just get started and then they look at how it went when, they, when they're done. And that's why when you look at an 11-year-old kid, you know they're going to be so much better at 14. But for some reason, there's a 28-year-old stuck being like, I'm doomed. Like 31 is going to be this, that. Because three years to them um, needs to be so much more planned out you know, um, than a kid's three years. And that's why the kid grows so much because they're just very present. And uh, for me, I wanted, the kids really took me out of that that space. Like, I think like three, four years ago, I was so worried about what my life would look like five, 10 years from now, just thinking that I was never, ever doing enough. And that actually led me to not doing anything on a daily basis for an extended period of time. Kids don't do that. Kids are just like, I'm just gonna do what I gotta do. And you know, you see, significant improvement um in them from 14 to 16 or 16 to 18 um so for me uh, i want we created the run club why because as adults we want to kid remind the kids to never let go of that thought process never let go of that emotion towards you know just like development in general um but also too just being like oh well if you but if you did if you did want to like you know start your own podcast or if you did want to work for the nba these are the steps i took so you know, take it as you see wish, right? Um, when we talk about how can you help, like, I think just, we talked about like kids want to be what they know. And if you know, um, any runner is listening to this and, you know, has some sort of like interesting story or interesting create career um, that, you know, you think there's kids out there that would like if they just knew more about it, just come run and learn about a kid. And, and then when they ask questions back, you share what you do share 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 your insights like you know a lot of these kids have no clue what financial literacy is you know like develop a relationship and then talk about those things or you know come run with them and then maybe you just find a kid that you genuinely connect with and you want to offer them a summer internship um i don't know uh the best part about it is that like you still get to get your running you don't have to um you're not doing anyone a favor. If anything, like it's a mutual exchange. Um, even too, like with you guys, like I've been asked like like the other day, like Taco and Jamal, they want to start a they want to start their own podcast. And they're like, Can you let us know what to do? This, that. And I'm like, I could try, but you know, someone who actually has a podcast would be able to help you more. So like if you guys came to run and while we were running, I'm just like, yo guys, this is Taco and Jamal. Like you guys just run and chat about podcasts. Like you're changing their lives right there. And mm -hmm. you got to, you got to run while doing it. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Jamal, I love how you, how you turned that around because yeah. you're absolutely right. Like, and, and you know what? Like, I think sometimes we should know better. Like, how can I help? I think the other thing is the real way to look at it is if you really are interested in helping, you should come to the table with ideas and say, Hey, you know, this is what I have to offer. Could you use it? Right, yes, what you already have, because you don't know what you don't what you need until someone mm -hmm. has an idea that says, "Hey, have you thought about this?" So I love how you how you turned it around, uh, and it also sounds like you're inviting Dre and I to come out. Sunday, <laughs> two seven six, Carlo. I love that man. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, we it's we have one thing. more run this I'm Sunday. Game, so man. this Sunday is our last run for the season, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, we just wanted to keep the run club alive. I'll make it happen then. I'm yeah. definitely. I can uh, yeah, just text run. me. I'll send you guys it. You know, whatever. We'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah, no, you have so much people are reaching out to you already. Um, so what we'll do is wrap up the podcast and then um, obviously have a nice little intro, outro rather, because I, I obviously there's so much to talk about, but I think um, we've already tapped into all the essentials that we're going to get from you. Um, and, and ultimately, we all, we'll stay in touch. Um, uh, Jonathan, do you have anything? Yeah, you know, Jamal, we get, I, I think, <laughs> how many podcasts are recorded now? It's like- Everyone's asking for you. <laughs> This is. I'm interested to hear from you who you think we should be reaching out to to bring on a podcast. Like, who would you like to hear from? Whose story do you want? Um, you don't even have to know him. It's like, oh, I've seen X doing uh, X over there, and it could be a community worker yeah, too, right? Eh? I'm trying to think. Uh, to be honest, I don't know. It would be. Um, I'm trying to think. What would be interesting? I don't know. I'm trying to think of like even just like. Uh, careers in general. Uh, I'm trying to think of. Is anyone else like connecting the dots, Jamal, in, in the community that you feel like you know their story should be told? I don't know. I think I would. Something that's like super interesting to me is just like, I don't know. I don't know whether it's a former or someone with an understanding for it or someone who works with them in some way, shape, or form. But like just understanding why why the police face so much barriers in terms of just like making or becoming um more of a I wouldn't say aid, but like more relevant to empowering communities because you know the difference between like patrolling and empowering communities. And I imagine that a lot of cops or people who are told to just go out and patrol communities um would actually love to empower communities and this is um so i don't know maybe someone in that space that like can speak to those barriers and how we can get past them because i would that's some that's a space that i want to enter and figure out like you know like yeah because that used to be a thing right where police would patrol a neighborhood and actually know yeah or in the neighborhood. i even like this whole idea of like i feel like you know, rather than having a police officer ride their route, like some way, shape, or form, like they, they, the police hired community workers and paid the community workers the same amount that they pay the cops um, to empower and, uh, you know, um, enable the youth because they're encouraging safety much more than the person that's going around saying, stay inside. Uh, you know, so mm. I don't know, like for me, it's just like, I understand the the intricacies of just like the the system um, and, and just systems in general, but it's just like, who are people within these systems that join these systems thinking that they could change the way these systems work? What are the barriers they're still facing? And um, from an outside POV, maybe there's... You know, maybe one of us has an answer just because like systems are so much bigger than the people, but the people are still, you know, um, big and important and, 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 and valuable. So if there are people that 
are trying to break down barriers and systems that they don't know how to. I mean, these are just like just systems that we've all come to know and just accept for no other reason besides that's just how things work. Um, I'd love to hear what that what that like struggle looks like, just so we can we can help. Cause the same way I'm trying to help kids, I'm, I just want to help everyone. I wanna I want to help everyone because there's so many people that help me. So. Mm-hmm. And and you've put a you've posed a challenge for us, uh, and that, and that's what we've always uh, said from the beginning of the podcast is like challenging um, um, individuals that you come across. So uh, you know, uh, in in my context, I'm thinking you know maybe a, a city councilor uh, for your writing or something, uh, someone of that sort. Yeah, that, yeah, no. You know, you know, could be yeah, because they they would have um, you know something to say. Um, you know, just as you mentioned what the police patrolling is like, yeah. what's missing there. Well, I don't even, yeah, I don't even, challenge us and it sounds so bad, but like, just like even to like city councilors that work, like a city councilor that works in these neighborhoods. And it's just like, well, asking them the question, like, yo, why, if you know that this basketball court or this soccer pitch is a safety hazard, why hasn't anything happened in like five years? You know, like what needs to happen for that to change? Like, those are like important yeah, they're like Straight if question. I were to just email mm-hmm. them, like they 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 might not get answered. You know what I mean? But just putting them on the spot and getting honest answers that could be cool. Yeah, and and they're people. They're they're straight people. So it's like you know, pick a ride in. We pick you know in the middle of downtown or you know our region, and then we could you know ask those poignant questions without making it controversial. But you know, getting that straight answer from them kind of scenario. But I, I think maybe that that's the route and and the challenge you put us to be able to get someone on like that. And we we've um reached out to a, a city councilor already. Um, in a different ward, and um, you know, we'll 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 keep on that and try to get you know that's a good question. We'll be able to start asking them about, um, not just running or something of the sort, but just a little bit more in depth, um, based on the the stuff that yeah. you want to hear. Another another cool person that might be a beneficial um that comes to my mind is like Brian Brock. He does a lot of things. Um, Brian uh, I know what that is. Yeah, I saw him today. I actually, uh, who else? Uh, when when you see him again, you just drop drop us, uh, drop and drop, drop our name. <laughs> yeah, the longest yeah, tried yeah, podcast. Brian, I want to talk um, to you. What's his name? Uh, there's Chriso at Legends League. She seems like a really cool. I she could learn a lot from Brian as well from Legends League. Um, and then Drex. Drex is one of the founders of the Remix Project, and he's been a huge mentor to me and. We talked about a lot of things, so really, um, maybe there's something from a, you know, a generational perspective that um could be tapped into there. Mm-hmm. Hey, remix yeah, yeah, project still, still goes still, on, right? Still alive and well. Okay. COVID, COVID take makes okay. things different, but still big, you know, important. Yeah, big, big, big. Jamal, this has been exactly how I thought it would be inspirational. It's been, it's been all that stuff. It's been a real treat listening to you speak. You, you, you definitely. I can see why people want to work with you. Want to, you know, be surrounded, you know, um, surrounded by your energy and your ideas. It's just, it's really amazing. And just being able to, like, and and I've never met you before, Andre. I don't know if you have either, but we we've met at uh, Quentin's birthday. Um, oh, nice. But it was funny. It was. Um... 
you know, I'll let you finish your thought there. Yeah, no, but it's it's just it's Jamal. It's been really uh, inspirational listening to you speak. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you. With that being said, this is the longest ride podcast. Later. <laughs>